Good afternoon. I am so glad to be back. Last week we discussed the difference between solitude and isolation when someone seems to have disappeared. That was the first part of this two-week focus on behaviors that we may not understand and how we can have grace in those moments. This week we focus on reactions and overreactions, or what we perceive to be overreactions. I prayed long and hard about this particular topic because it's one in which I know well personally and professionally, and I want to honor the knowledge and experience I have without removing the essence of Christ from this particular episode. So please have grace with me as I navigate this topic carefully and with a tender heart. I want to begin by telling you a story that I can laugh about now, but probably would have been embarrassed by years ago. I love ice cubes in my drinks because I love freezing cold drinks. Years ago, when my girls were little, I would always keep two or three ice cube trays in the freezer. It was a known expectation that if someone emptied the ice cube tray, they needed to refill it so that there were always ice cubes available. Time and again, I would find an empty ice cube tray hanging out on the edge of the sink. I would become so upset and often call the girls into the kitchen and ask who emptied the tray. They would all look at me with their wide eyes and exclaim in unison, not me. I probably spent several minutes providing a lecture on the importance of filling the ice cube tray. Now they became wise and eventually I would find a tray in the freezer with one ice cube in it. Just one, because then it wasn't empty and it didn't have to be refilled. So then we talked about that too. That I certainly wasn't going to fall for that trick. It took years to figure out that it took much less time to just pick up the tray and refill it myself. Even longer to realize that it wasn't really about the ice cubes. The empty ice cube tray said to me, you're not listened to. You're not important. Nobody cares what you want or need. You're not allowed to have needs. You are not loved. Years of an identity crisis and false beliefs were beneath my overreaction to this situation. And this is only one example of several that I could give you. A huge part of our reaction to things has to do with past experiences. In fact, if we were completely healed from hurts, then the majority of our reactions would be lessened based simply on what is real and right in front of us. I think it's important to know a bit about how the brain works here without becoming too scientific because this is a real struggle for many, many people. Triggers can be known or unknown. There are times when we do not know why we react to certain stimuli the way we do. And there are moments we can instantly connect our reactions to something we experienced in the past. Most like to shut out the past, but know that it plays a huge part in our emotional, physical, sexual, and spiritual development. Personality disorders begin to develop early in life as we learn how to relate to our environment, others, and ourselves. We learn what behaviors work to get our needs met and how to cope when we cannot get our needs met. We learn to deny, project, manipulate, and act out. 
Addictions form because we learn how to find comfort and release from stress and strain and how to detach from our reality because we cannot survive in our reality without it. This is so even when it doesn't make sense to us. The brain processes traumatic memories differently than regular memories. I'm not going to get too technical, but learn the word hippocampus because that is integral to this entire thing. The hippocampus is directly involved in taking emotional memories and processing them by separating the emotion, feeling the emotion, and sending the event to long-term memory. This way, we can retrieve these memories years down the road. But when a memory is a little too strenuous, a little too traumatic, the hippocampus can shrink. It can atrophy and refuse to process the memory. Our brain wants us to be healthy, and so it can try to sneak those memories through from time to time, causing rapid shrinking of the hippocampus. And this is what we call a flashback. Suddenly, we have images or visions or a deja vu moment. Sometimes, this is a feeling. We have something called feeling memories because a different part of the brain, the cerebellum, is involved in processing sensation. It is formed earlier on, unlike the hippocampus, which is not fully formed until around age three, preventing us from forming memories of our experiences prior to that age. All this to say that our bodies may remember something that our brains do not. So it's possible to have a feeling connected to stimuli that does not make sense to us. We read something in a book and suddenly feel sick to our stomach or someone whispers and we get chills and we can't understand it. There's a particular person or place or smell that we cannot seem to get comfortable with. As I mentioned earlier, at times we absolutely know where our reactions come from, whether it's anxiety, arousal, fear, the desire to run away, eat or isolate. This is not always easy to control to overcome whether we know why it's there or not. Now imagine for a moment that you are teaching third grade. You are in kind of a bad mood. Tommy approaches the desk. Now Tommy comes from a good home, loving, supportive, kind. He receives appropriate affection and attention. He knows he is taken care of. He asks you a question and you answer abruptly and ask him to go sit down. Tommy shuffles away, maybe mutters something under his breath, but sits down and moves on with his reading. A few minutes later, Zachary approaches the desk. Now, Zachary comes from a home that is quite different from Tommy's. He has felt the sting of physical abuse. He has been told that he is worthless and will never amount to anything. He does not know what love or affection feel like. Maybe he has witnessed domestic abuse or struggles to know when he will have another meal. He asks the same question as Tommy, and you respond the same way. When Zachary leaves the desk, he calls you a few choice names and throws over the desk, landing himself in the principal's office. 
You cannot begin to understand why he was clearly overreacting. But think of an open wound on his skin. You see, when we experience something painful in life, whether we have a clear memory or not, and whether it makes sense to anyone else or not, triggers can be like slapping an open wound, causing pain and reactions that are far beyond what we would consider to be typical. Now, years later, Zachary is in church and he hears scripture such as Colossians 3.15, which says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, such as members of one body you were called to peace. And Zachary thinks to himself, But I am so anxious. And then he hears, Fear not, over and over again. And he wonders how he is always so afraid. He reads in Matthew 28, And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. And one thing he knows is that he feels so alone. In James 1.20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And in Ephesians 4.26, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And he thinks to himself, I am so angry. Now God in his brilliance tells us not to go to bed angry because he created our brains and he knows how they work. And he understands that when we're sleeping, unresolved anger builds and our memories are added upon to make things bigger than they were before. He knows how things work because he created us. So God knows and understands triggers. Let's make some connections here. God knows what we will experience. Remember, God is sovereign. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. And he created us. He knows how our brains and bodies work and what words and actions will ignite our fears of abandonment, fears of arousal, fear that we aren't loved, that we aren't enough, that we are not worth fighting for. And just as with thorns, some of these triggers will never go away. As someone standing on the other side, receiving the reaction or what we perceive to be an overreaction to something we have said or done or not said or done, there are a few things we need to keep in mind. God did not create this person by accident and not one thing about them comes as a surprise to our Heavenly Father. If we use the scripture to punish or judge or look down upon the person who is having reactions of sinful anger and fear and isolation, then we are missing the point. Most often, the person who is reacting to their triggers does not do so out of a desire to react that way. It has become natural for them. They have learned how to react and respond in that way through their experiences. If there is one thing I know, it is that the word of God is true. We can have peace that passes understanding. We do not need to worry. We need not fear. And we are never alone. And we are loved. Triggers and reactions do not come from truth. Emotions themselves are not bad. Understand Jesus was full of emotions. 
We know that Jesus had righteous anger and that he wept. I'm talking about emotions that do not seem typical. I'm talking about anger that is misplaced or fear or anxiety that seems out of context. These are reactions that come from lies. You see, the enemy knows the experiences we have had and the potential pain it can cause. And we receive these lies and believe that we are not wanted, not loved, and not enough. And all of those fears we have, they cause words or actions to trigger a response in us. They're not based on truth. And how amazingly brilliant our creator is, that he knows that and made it so we need to draw near to him to be grounded in truth, which is the only way we find peace and joy and light. So we show grace to those whose behaviors and reactions we do not understand. When we stand on the truth of God's word in love, not judgment. When we speak words of life instead of shaming the reactions from others. There are boundaries, of course, and we've talked about codependency. It is important not to own the feelings of others, and we must learn to keep our feelings separate from those of others. We must know our own triggers because it's not uncommon for reactions of others to cause a quick reaction in us if we're not careful which only draws both people into a cycle of chaos. So it is also an act of grace to know ourselves and to be aware of how we respond and why. Establish emotional boundaries. Be aware of personal triggers. Speak truth in love, not judgment. Speak words of life instead of shame. And pray Bring these responses to the Lord and ask that the lies be released and that this person comes to rest in truth. This is grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for knowing our experiences and for understanding our triggers. Thank you for showing yet again that you are the only answer, that you are the only way. And thank you for sending your son so that we may find the gifts of freedom and peace you pour out so abundantly. Help us to stand on your truth today and let us show grace to those who are still seeking. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Next week, we focus on unexplained grief, saying goodbye to the old self. God bless.